You're listening to Pastor Ryan Couch at Calvary Chapel of Crook County as he teaches through the book of Luke. If you have your Bibles ready, let's join Pastor Ryan now. Well, welcome. Hope you guys are doing well this morning. You know, I was thinking maybe afterward today, you guys would all be invited over to my house and uh, we'll have some lunch here. We'll do the baptism and, and then you guys could all come to my house for dinner tonight. Does that sound cool? But... Okay, but I'm not going to tell you how to get there because here's the thing. All roads lead to my house. If you didn't know that, it's how it works. You just take any road and you'll get to my house. It's really cool. You know that's ridiculous, right? It's the same amount of ridiculousness that says that all roads lead to God. The pluralism that exists in our society today and our mentality that says Just choose whatever way you want to go. Whatever route you want to take, it'll get you to God. Just believe in something. Just find a higher power. And if you think about it in terms of any other logical part of life, it doesn't make sense. Because God is a person. He's he's real. He wants to relate to you. And there's one way to him. And we're going to talk about that this morning. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13 this morning. We're going to look at verses 22 to 35. Jesus is continuing his journey toward Jerusalem. And it says he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem, which is really pointing us to Jesus' purpose for coming to the earth, which was to go to the cross, his death. This is what Luke is reminding us of. He's reminding Theophilus, who he wrote this book two. He wrote this book to a man named Theophilus, and and he's reminding him about the cross. He's reminding him that there's a purpose to Jesus's life. And back in chapter nine, Jesus said he had set his face like a flint toward Jerusalem, that nothing was going to deter him from that purpose of coming. And we're going to see that Once again here, as Luke sets the stage by saying he's journeying toward Jerusalem. And then someone from the crowd said to Jesus, Lord, are there few who are saved? Are there few who are saved? Will those who are saved be few? And this is a pretty common question. A question that people ask, maybe you've asked, in a variety of ways. People say, what about the pygmies in Africa? What, what about the people that, that believe in God, but they don't trust Jesus as the only way to him? They, they practice other religions. What about those in faraway places that have never heard about Jesus? And all of these questions, in reality, are a diversion 
to take the attention off of the person asking the question and to put it on something that will divert the bigger question, which is not, will those who are saved be few? But the better question is, will those who are saved be you? That's the better question. You see, this individual in the crowd who really isn't named and probably for a purpose because they really represent many of us who are asking questions to take the attention off of ourselves. And what Jesus doesn't allow us to do is to focus on someone else. He wants the attention, he wants the focus to be upon yourself and not be asking questions like, will those who are saved be few? But asking yourself, am I one of those who are saved this morning? And see, Jesus doesn't even really address the question. He goes on to say, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. You see, Jesus really doesn't even want to address the question of, will those who are saved be few? What he does is go right to the heart of it. Will those who are saved be you? And he begins by saying, the way to salvation is narrow. The way to salvation is not wide and broad and take any road you want. Just like you know, it's preposterous to think that you could come to my house by taking any road in Crook County. And the same is true. That the way to salvation, the way to God, is not broad and wide and filled with many plurality of gods. The way to salvation is narrow. And Jesus said, strive to enter through the narrow gate. He doesn't really address the question. What he does is hits us right between the eyes. And he uses a word strive, which is a word from which we get our word agonize. To agonize, to make every effort. Because everything in our flesh, everything inside of us is screaming that we don't want to admit that we need Jesus. That it does take effort on our part to put aside our pride, to put aside our own righteousness, to put aside our own desire to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. It is a narrow gate because your flesh says, I can do this on my own. I can find peace. I can find hope. I can find meaning for life. It's, it's within me. I just need to find myself. It's, it's not in Jesus, see? Your flesh will scream against it. But Jesus says, agonize, strive, make every effort to come to me. And it's not only what's screaming inside of you, but it's also the world around you that is basically saying, Christianity is narrow-minded. You're a bigot if you believe that Jesus is the only way. How could you believe such things? It's, it's too simplistic. It's ridiculous to think that God became a man. It, it's utterly foolish to think that God died on a cross and took your sin. And the world is screaming 
for you to find your route to God in some other way. But Jesus is telling you this morning, it's in me, it's narrow. In fact, in the book of Acts, it says there's no other way to salvation except through Jesus Christ. And oftentimes, people will say, well, I, I really appreciate Jesus. I love Jesus. I love his teachings. And I follow the teachings of Christ. But I'm not big on the church. I'm not real big on organized religion. And I don't believe that Jesus is the only way. But I believe in Jesus. I believe in his teachings. And that sounds really cool. It kind of sounds hip. It kind of sounds open-minded and, and, you know, free-spirited. Let's just believe in Jesus. We love Jesus, but he's not the only way. And you guys, here's the thing about that, is while that sounds cool, and it sounds trendy, and it sounds very open-minded, the fact is, is that it does injustice to what Jesus said about himself. You either take what Jesus said in its entirety, or you reject him altogether. Because Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And there's no way to the Father except through me. So do what you will with Jesus. And I hope that you receive him, and that you embrace him, and that you fall at his feet and receive his offer of love and mercy and hope and peace But do what you will with Jesus, but do not take Jesus and cram him in to whatever system of belief that you have. You can't include Jesus with all of your other gods because he doesn't allow you to do that. He said, I am the way. I'm the only way. And as C.S. Lewis, the great thinker said, Jesus is either a liar, and that is that he said things about himself that aren't true, and he knew they weren't true. He's a liar. Or Jesus is a lunatic, the way of Charles Manson or others that have said they're the Messiah, they're God, and many people have said that. David Koresh and and many others have, have claimed to be God, have claimed to be a Messiah, and we look at that and we say, they're a lunatic. We wouldn't listen to them. We wouldn't read their books. We wouldn't follow their teachings. Jesus is either a liar, he knew what he was saying was deceptive, and yet he wanted to lead people to destruction. Or he was a lunatic, he was out of his mind. He said stuff that wasn't true, but he didn't know it wasn't true, because he's just crazy. Or, Jesus is Lord. He's liar, he's lunatic, or he's Lord. C.S. Lewis nailed it for us. And this morning, do what you will with Jesus. But do not leave here thinking that you can just put him in amongst all your other gods. He doesn't allow you to do that, my friends. The way to Jesus, the way to God, the way to salvation is narrow. It's only through Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. The way to salvation is narrow. Jesus makes that clear. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, Jesus says, many will say. Many will 
seek to enter and not be able. Many will, will come to the gate and they'll say, I can just believe whatever I want and God's going to accept me. He's going to look at my good works and my bad works and he's going to weigh them out and he'll, he'll know that I'm a pretty good guy. That I helped old ladies across the street. That I sponsored starving kids in Africa when I bought my movie ticket. I'm a, I'm a pretty good guy. And yet, Jesus says, many... Many will come and they won't be able to make it through the narrow gate to salvation because it's it's too narrow-minded. It's too restricted. And if that's you this morning, strive, make every effort to come to salvation through Jesus Christ and Him alone. Don't be one of those that comes to the gate of salvation and finds it too narrow and rejects it or thinks that it's wider than it really is. Well, something else Jesus says about salvation is that the time of salvation is limited. He says, when the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. Where are you from? I don't know you. Where, where, where'd you come from? Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say to you, I tell you, I do not know you. I don't know where you're from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus makes it clear that the way to salvation is narrow. He also makes it clear that the time of salvation is limited. You guys, if you have air in your lungs this morning, which I'm assuming all of you do, unless somebody here is like weekend at Bernie's, got drug here dead. I'm assuming you're alive. I'm assuming that you have time to choose. But you know what? That time is limited. That time is coming to an end. There will be a time where Jesus shuts that door and it comes by your death or by the return of Christ. There will be a point where the time of salvation is closed for you. Right now, the door is open. The banquet is open to anybody that wants to come. The door is narrow. It's only through Jesus, but it's open and you can come to him today. But there will be a point, and it's a sad reality, but there will be a point where that door is closed. And you know what that's like. When you're racing to the store, you need one last ingredient to finish dinner off, and you're, you're thinking, oh, the store is closing, and, and you just pull up and you see the guy shut the door and lock it, and then you see him at the register counting the money. And you're knocking at the door, waving your hands. Come on, bro, just open up. All I need is some milk. All I need is a little bit of spices. It won't take very long, I promise. And he's there, he's ignoring you, and the door is closed. And it's kind of a helpless feeling. Well, it's more of a helpless feeling when Jesus shuts the door of salvation, eternally deciding your fate. 
And if you have life in you this morning, you can come to him. But the time is limited. You might think, well, I've got all kinds of time. I'm young. Some of you are very young here. Some of you are children. Some of you are teenagers. Some of you are in your 20s. And you think, I've got all kinds of time. I'm going to live to be 80 years old. I'm going to have a good time right now. But you know what? Countless people die every day before they were ready. Just yesterday, a famous athlete, an NFL MVP, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Steve McNair, being somewhere where he probably shouldn't have been, hanging around people he probably shouldn't have been hanging around. He's found dead in a condominium in Nashville, shot multiple times, 36 years old. I don't think when he woke up that morning, yesterday morning, 4th of July, I don't think he figured, today is the day I'm going to be shot gangster style. I don't think he thought that. He's a country boy from Mississippi. I mean, come on. But his life ended. He's dead. If he didn't know Jesus Christ, the door to salvation is closed for him. Countless people die before they ever would have thought. Teenagers die every year in car accidents. Young people die every year from all kinds of things. You guys, you don't have time to mess around. And some of you are older and life is catching up with you whether you die tragically or you just die in your sleep. Life is catching up with you. You know that. You're feeling the aches and pains. You're seeing that your body is giving in to entropy, to the second law of thermodynamics. I mean, you're breaking down. You see it every day. You look in the mirror. Yesterday, I saw the first wrinkle on my face. It was tragic. So I got some more of this anti-aging cream and I rubbed it in and it didn't work. This little crow's foot or whatever they call it right here. What do you do about that? It's horrible. I'm balding, I'm graying, I'm sagging. Maybe I need to start doing something about that. 33 years old, I'm already starting to fall apart. Some of you are much older than that and you recognize and you know that you don't have a lot longer. You have friends that are dying of natural causes. And you're thinking about eternity and you're thinking about yourself this morning and where am I at with God? And you guys, the time is limited. The time is short. There will be a point where Jesus shuts that door on you. And man, that breaks my heart to think that that could be you. And Jesus said, they will say, man, you were just here like We ate with you and you were teaching in our streets, man. Come on, Jesus, open the door. And that's what many of you will say. When that door is shut on you, say, Jesus, but I went to church. I mean, just the other day on the 4th of July weekend, I was at the park, man. I mean, I went Christmas and Easter faithfully. Maybe some of you go all the time. Maybe some of you even read your Bible. But what Jesus makes clear is that it's not about your familiarity with him. It's not about knowledge. See, they said, but Jesus, we knew you. We were familiar with you. 
We saw you. We experienced you. But what Jesus makes clear is that he didn't know them. There was no relationship. You guys, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning? You guys can understand a relationship. Many of you are married. Some of you want to be married. Some of you have been married. Some of you young people think you're married, think you're cool, you got a girlfriend or whatever, right? You understand relationships. You understand what it's like to love someone. You understand what it's like to be close to someone. For them to know you and for you to know them. I mean, I've been married for almost 13 years. I can just look at my wife and I know what she's thinking. Just the other day, we were looking at rental properties in Colorado where we're moving to plant another church. And we went to this one dump. And I didn't even have to ask my wife, do you want to live here? I mean, I just looked at her, right? I could see it in her eyes. No, I do not want to live here. Do not drag me here. You're already moving me away from my family. I'm not living in this place. You didn't even have to ask her. Because we have a relationship. You guys, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you know him intimately? Or are you going to be pounding at the door in desperation, saying, Jesus, but I went to church. Jesus, I sang songs about you. I knew about you. And have him say, but I never knew you. We didn't have a relationship. There was no evidence of my work in your life. Do you know Jesus this morning? Does he know you? If you don't, the door is slowly closing on your opportunity. And let me tell you this, young people, the older you get, the more difficult it is to make Jesus your king, your Lord, the more baggage you'll have. Do not wait. Come to him today. Some of you older people, if you don't know Jesus, it's never too late. It's never too late for you. The door is getting narrower and narrower for you. It's closing on you. As your life is coming to an end, if you don't know Jesus, it's it's getting narrower. But there's still opportunity But the time of salvation is limited. You guys, Jesus gives us time, but he doesn't give us unlimited time. You can kind of picture the hourglass being turned over and the sand is kind of dripping out of it. And that's our life. And man, if that's all that life was, if all that life was was like God turning over the hourglass and the sand falling out and you could watch it kind of dissipating and that would be the length of your life, man, that would be sad. And that's what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. He just realized that life was like such vanity. It was so worthless. It was meaningless and hopeless in his eyes because he had pursued the wind. It was like grasping at the wind, his life. And he had everything. He was a king. He, he was the smartest man alive. He was wealthy beyond you could ever imagine. He had women for days, thousands. I mean, he, 
He made Hugh Hefner look like a joke. Solomon was the man. And yet he said it was like grasping at the wind. The end of his life, he said it was vanity. And if that's all that life was, it would be really sad. But you know what? Life has purpose. Life has meaning. There's so much more for you. There's so much more for you to experience. So much life that's bigger than anything you can conceive of as he's created all things to be good and yet our sin tainted it and distorted it and destroyed it. And yet God has been on a mission ever since to redeem that. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is coming back and he's making all things new. And he's offering that to you. Real life. Life beyond this meaningless existence. Life beyond the pursuit of pleasure or entertainment or wealth or sex or drugs or alcohol or anything else. He's offering that to you. But the time is short. The time is limited. Another thing that Jesus makes clear to us is that those who receive salvation are surprising. As he goes on, he says, when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. You see, the the Jewish people assumed that they were all going to receive eternal life except for those Jews that really partied it up. But the ones that lived a pretty good life and were born into Judaism, I mean, they were going to heaven. That was their assumption. And yet Jesus is going to blow that assumption out of the water. As he says, look, you're going to see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That was the pillars of their faith. The patriarchs of their belief system. They knew they would be in heaven. And Jesus said, you're going to be looking at them in heaven and you're going to be out. You're going to find yourselves thrust out. And they will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and sit down in the kingdom of God. And what that means is that people from all over the world are going to be included in the kingdom of God. Not just the Jews, Jesus is saying to them. And so what we find about salvation, you guys, is yes, it's narrow. And yes, the time is limited. But that those that receive it are actually quite surprising. They don't belong to one ethnic group. They don't live in one geographical location. That people will be coming to Christ from all over the world. And so the fact that you are an American does not make you a Christian. I remember being about 10 years old. And I always had kind of this concept of God, even though I was taught nothing about God at all. But I always had this thought in my mind that there was something bigger than myself. And I remember asking my mom, I remember where I was at, I remember what we were doing, and I said to her, Mom, what does it mean to be a Christian? And it sort of took her back because we were far from religious people at all. And she said, I I don't know. I mean, you're born in America. You're a Christian. And as a 10-year-old kid, I thought, hey, that works for me. I mean, you know, go red, white, and blue. 
I'm a patriot. I'm a Christian. This is awesome. I was born in the right place. But again, being an American does not make you a Christian. You, you need to come to him personally this morning if you don't know him. Those that receive salvation are surprising. It was surprising to the Jews. Are, are you telling us, Jesus, that others besides Jewish people are going to receive eternal life? And this really wouldn't sink in till later when Peter received a vision in Acts chapter 10. It really wouldn't sink in for them. And you guys, those that are in heaven are going to shock us. It's going to shock us of those who we thought were going to heaven because of their outward persona, and yet they don't know Jesus. They're going to be one of those that Jesus says, I never knew you. And you know what? There's going to be people who we think, man, they'll never come to Christ, they'll never get saved, and yet they'll be there. Because although the door is narrow and although the time is short, you can come to him at any time. No matter what you've done, no matter how you've lived your life, just like Renee talked about this morning. And the last thing that I want to talk about is the means of salvation. How we come to Jesus. What is it that we're receiving? What are we believing? And the means of salvation is through Jesus' death. Jesus talks about this in verses 31 to 35. After he tells us that the way is narrow, after he tells us that the time is limited, after he makes it clear that those that will receive him will be surprising, then he tells us that the means to salvation is his death. It says on that very same day, Pharisees came saying to him, get out and depart from here, for Herod wants to kill you, the king, the tetrarch of that northern part of Israel. He, he wants to kill you. you. You should get out of here, Jesus. You should flee because the king wants to kill you. And Jesus sees right through this because the religious mafia and the governing authorities at that time in Israel were working together to get rid of Jesus. And so it wasn't just Herod. They were in collusion together. And Jesus says, go tell that fox, which essentially means go tell that conniver, that cunning man, that person who works destruction, that useless guy, go tell that fox. that I'm not going to be dictated to by him. You go tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Jesus is pointing to his death. He's pointing to the fact that he is on a mission to go to Jerusalem to be crucified, and the third day he will be resurrected. You go tell him that. Nevertheless, I must journey today, tomorrow, and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem. Jesus is saying, look, you guys have killed all the other prophets. 
many in Jerusalem. And so it's fitting that you kill me as well. I mean, it wouldn't be right if you didn't kill me as well. You've killed every other prophet. Might as well add me to the mix. But I'm not going to be dictated to by Herod nor you. I'm on a mission and I'm giving up my own life for the sins of the world. And Jesus closes by saying, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. And assuredly, I say to you, you shall not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You guys, the means of salvation is Jesus' death, and he's pointing them to that. He's pointing them to the cross. He's saying, my face is set like a flint toward the cross. And yes, the way is narrow. And yes, the time is limited. But listen, my heart is toward you. I love you. I love you like a hen loves her chicks who just wants to gather them and protect them. And any amount of danger could come upon those chicks and yet they would be protected under the wings of that hen. And that's what God wants to do for you. He wants to protect you, namely from yourself and your sin and the destruction of this life. He wants to protect you from absolutely ruining yourself. He wants to give you real life and real hope and substantial meaning. Something bigger than yourself, the way that you were meant to live. He, he wants to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks. That's his heart for you. That was his heart for Israel. Even though they had rejected him and turned their back on him and said, we want nothing to do with you, Jesus, his heart went out to them. And his heart goes out to you this morning. No matter what you've done, if you've turned your back on him, maybe you were raised in the church, you knew the truth, and yet you rejected it. And you've been living in absolute rebellion to God, in opposition to him for many years. And yet he says to you, today, come to me. Today is the day of salvation. Maybe this is the, the first time you've really been squarely hit with the gospel. And you say, yeah, I want that. I want meaning. I want something bigger than myself. I want to live the way that I was intended to live. And you're looking at your life and you're saying, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be something more meaningful than what I'm doing right now. And if you've been faced with that this morning, I invite you to come to him. I invite you to allow him to take you under his wings and to shelter you and to protect you from yourself and from your destruction, and from this world, and from the wrath of God, which is going to be poured out on those that reject Jesus. You see, Jesus took the punishment for our sin. 
But if you don't receive that, you will face it yourself. But Jesus wants to to protect you from that. And that's why he went to the cross. And he hung there. And he took the judgment and the punishment and the consequences for your sin and for my sin. And the Bible says, if you'll confess him this morning, if you will confess him as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Will you come to him this morning? Maybe you're a Christian here, and yet you just haven't allowed him to love you, to shelter you, to provide for you. You haven't received his grace lately. You've been living in condemnation. You've been living under the, the penalty of your sin, you feel like. You, you feel as though God doesn't love you anymore. You feel as though he's turned his back on you, but know this, he hasn't. He wants you to come to him and to receive his love and his mercy and his grace. You guys, this morning, we're going to have a baptism. And whether you came prepared for that or not, if you would like to receive Jesus, man, come over there in a little while. I'd love to talk to you and I'd love to baptize you into a relationship with Jesus Christ into something meaningful and powerful and bigger than you could ever imagine. We're going to have a barbecue. All the money is going to support some students to go to Africa on a mission trip. And probably in about 45 minutes to an hour, we'll head over there for the baptism. And so please come and support those who are going to be baptized. Even if you're not, hang out. If you don't know Jesus this morning, please, please know that the gate is narrow, that the time is short, but that all are invited. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You have an opportunity this morning to come to Jesus, to find meaning and hope in this life. I hope you do that. I hope you choose Jesus this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your truth. Jesus, we thank you that there is meaning and hope beyond this life, God, because if there wasn't, I don't know what there would be. God, if this is all there is, Lord, if all we're seeking is money, and now we see that our money can just be taken from us, that we can go from the top of the world to the bottom so quickly. God, if all we're pursuing is relationships with people, and yet, Lord, we find that people hurt us and wound us and leave us, and yet, Jesus, you will never leave us. You'll never forsake us. Jesus, if all we're pursuing is our own goodness, our own ability to find you, then God, we're left falling miserably short. And God, I want to pray for any this morning who are just saying, yes, Jesus, I want you. I want to respond to that. I want that in my life. Lord, I pray right now that they would just simply say, Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. 
Jesus, I recognize that I've been living in opposition to you, that I need you. Jesus, I ask that you would come and you would forgive me of my sins, that Jesus, you would come and give me meaning and bring substance to my life. Be that missing piece in my life that I've been looking for. Jesus, fulfill me. Make my life the way you intended it to be. Jesus, make all things new in my life. Jesus, I thank you for your offer of grace and forgiveness. I thank you for the cross. And I receive that this morning. I receive your mercy and your grace. Holy Spirit, come and and fill me. Wash over me. Cleanse me. Make me a new creation. All things are new. The old has passed away. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you. I glorify you. And Father, I want to pray for those of us that do know you that maybe are just struggling this morning. God, those of us who have walked away from you or those of us who just don't feel like we have a relationship with you at all anymore. Our prayers are empty. We get nothing out of the Bible. And God, maybe we sense that that there's just a, a barrier between you and I, you and us. God, there's... There's broken fellowship. Lord, I pray this morning, as your word says, that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and you're just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus, cleanse us, purify us, restore that fellowship this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Pastor Ryan Couch of Calvary Chapel, Crook County. For more information, you can write to us at P.O. Box 378, Prineville, Oregon, 97754. Thanks for listening, and God bless.